You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino. Happy New Year, Carl. Yeah, happy New Year to you. It was a pretty good, pretty good New Year for us. Not uh, nothing crazy going on. Just had a couple board games at the house and uh, ended up coming down to the wire where I lost uh, my wife Mandy's uh, unbelievable dice rolling skills, and uh, <laughs> I felt shame going into the New Year. But otherwise, it was pretty solid. What about you? Uh, I spent New Year's in, with friends in New York. I was dog sitting up there. Uh, very, went out to a, to a nice dinner. Uh, it was a it, it was a little it was not an eventful New Year's, but it was good. Uh, I hope everybody in your family is is feeling okay, right? Yeah, no, we're all good now. Everybody's uh, symptom free. We've been still kind of keeping to ourselves uh, for the most part. Uh, got outside a little bit yesterday in the snow, but yeah, we're 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 good. We're feeling healthy and hanging around. What was uh, were you in the city? I was, yes. What was the city like on New Year's? Was it buzzing? Could you feel it or not yeah. really? What it, was going on? it was buzzing, and I actually went skating in uh, in Central Park and kind of I got almost got blocked going uh, trying to go to to a bar afterward because all the streets were closed down, so you couldn't even like walk through to get to a good bar because they were blocking it off basically up to like Fifty Sixth Street because of all the the Times Square New Year's Eve stuff, and, and then you go down to the kind of uh fi die where i was staying and it was like it was fine like people were out it was kind of a, a festive crowd maybe a little bit kind of dulled down by by virus stuff and all that but it was it was still kind of it was and the weather was great it was 60 degrees fahrenheit and and, and just for it was cool to be in new york for new year's for the first time yeah i've always i've been thinking about that i'm like is that one of the things that i i need to try at some point is is be in new york city for for new year's although like I don't know. To, to us, I guess New Year's isn't. Uh, it's not really that big of an event. It's like not something I feel like I have to celebrate every year. But I don't know. Kind of being in New York for New Year's seems like it's one of those things that you should experience if you have that opportunity. But I, I don't. I don't really know. Yeah, and the thing is, I've always wanted to do Times Square once, but not really kind of like in the crowd. Like I would love to like rent a room or do a party that was overlooking kind of the Times Square and the ball. That's the kind of yeah. like New Year's in New York that I would like to do eventually. Yeah, that makes sense. There's actually something I've been I've been look, watching a lot lately is the uh, the rollerblading group in New York City, and uh, it looks unbelievable where they just like close off. I don't know if they close off streets, but they have a ton of people. It's like forty or fifty people just rollerblading through the streets of New York City, and I'm like, there's a few things in that place I would really love to love to see happen, and, and it's watch the rollerbladers go by, and now I. You know, the, obviously the Christmas tree at uh, Rockefeller was one of the things I really have always loved and was lucky to do. Uh, but the other one, yeah, is, is the New Year's Times Square. So I'm I'm still still up in the air, but 
you know, if it's convenient, maybe I'll do it someday. Yeah, twenty, and we're all hoping twenty twenty three will be a little bit more of a normal New Year's than 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 even this one was, which was kind of capped at us fifty thousand people or whatever in in Times Square. But it, it feels like things are are going to be improving soon. The Capitals are are getting guys back off the COVID list. Uh, Nick Backstrom, T.J. Oshie, Connor Mc, uh, McMichael did not skate on on Tuesday because of a non COVID illness, but. Uh, we spoke to John Carlson a little bit earlier just about kind of what it's like to get guys back. And here's what he had to say about returning to practice with most of the regular Capitals lineup. You always want to be as healthy as possible. And, you know, whether that's real injuries or, or the other stuff, it's uh, it's great to see guys. No one wants to, to be away from the guys. No one wants to be a, away from the rink. And, you know, it, it takes a toll on guys. I mean, you know, a couple days here or there off the ice is not – not a big deal at all. You, but when you take a week and some of these guys kind of didn't build in the break that we did have with it too. So there's a lot of time off for, you know, and, and the guys kind of directly before them, they were only back for not too long before they took another extended break away from the ring. Um, so everyone's at different spots, I think, in terms of what, what they might need. So it's a good time to... Um, you know, have the opportunity to be a little flexible in terms of, you know, like guys aren't going to skate for an hour and a half when we're playing every other day. And this allows guys to do that. And Carl, John John talked about kind of the toll that it takes on, on guys being away from the rink. I know it's not virus-related, but, like, when you were playing, you must have dealt with that too, right? With like, if you're away with an injury or, or teammates away, that takes a mental toll as much as a physical toll, right? Yeah, well, I was pretty lucky that I wasn't away for injury very often. I'm and, knocking uh, on wood. Yeah, you had a good career like that. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a couple times when I when I was, it was in the it was during the playoffs, and you know everybody's everybody's kind of in the same boat. You're always together, and uh, you're still there for for treatments and all that stuff. But and during the season, when you're when you're not traveling with the team, and you know there's there's things that are going on. You know, you're in the trenches battling with everyone. And, and you're hurt, you're not there, you're not on the road or on the plane after, and uh, and you miss out on some of that talk. Like, it always felt, for me, it felt, I guess, a little bit strange when the guys would come back, you know? It's like, you miss them on the ice, but you miss them off the ice, you know? Do they, do they, they kind of almost, some of the guys, not all of them, there's some guys that are good that are just better at incorporating again right away, but sometimes it's almost like they're standing off to the side just kind of taking things in just to to join the group again which is weird because you know they they may have been part of the team for for years and years but it's just i don't know it's just strange you feel like you uh like i felt like they were missing out on stuff and i i didn't like that anyone on the team was missing out on anything so yeah it's, it's nice that they uh can finally get healthy and and it's different too when you're healthy and or sorry when you're injured with a some sort of like bodily injury because you can still be around the team but when you're injured with uh with uh, an illness with covid you can't even be around the guy so it's just right. that much tougher and that that's that's just a weird concept to grasp yeah, yeah, and Martin Ferrari was back on the ice today, but he was looking winded. I mean, this is a guy who wasn't allowed to skate for for a long period of time, and because he was on on the in protocol since I guess Christmas Eve, really. But um, I, we're going to ask uh, Greg Wyshynski about this later. But the Capitals lost another three on three overtime game the other day to the Devils. They're zero and seven three on three overtime, and I want to know as a guy who probably would not have gotten much three on three time, what you think is the reason why the Capitals stink in these situations? Oh man, it's tough. Uh, it- it's 
it's a little bit perplexing. I feel like they should be better uh, in them, but I, th- I think that I think the key to three on three is well, obviously you need to you need to create some sort of odd man situation. Um, yes. I think that's that's the number one thing. And you do that through some sort of transition, um, whether it's during a change or um, maybe some a pick or a little bit of confusion in the D zone. And so it's speed comes into into factor a lot as well, making sure you you got guys out there that can scoot and that are, you know, have some energy, I guess, too. And so I, I don't know if it's maybe needing a little bit more of a game plan going into that, you know, like when you know, when you're on the D side and, and the team's coming at you, you, you try and, you know, stay inside a little bit more and reserve some energy so that, you know, guys aren't getting out of position or it's on the offensive side trying to come up with a couple uh, – it's almost like a face-off play. Come up with a face-off play, but it's in the neutral zone instead where you can find a way to get a little bit of separation and then – you know, shooting, shooting off of, uh, off of a pass where you can get the goalie moving. I, and, and I don't know, maybe they are doing a lot of this stuff. I'm sure they're, they're extremely well prepared, but then coming down to it and, and executing, um, and you know, some of their players that are logging so many minutes during the game that maybe coming down to overtime, it's just a little bit of fatigue, I, mental fatigue, as well as physical fatigue. I, I don't, I don't have the exact answer for it, but um, when it comes down to it, you know, I feel like it has a little bit to do with, with game plan, um, being able to capitalize on a, on a situation that, that opens up for just a second and then a little bit of speed and that, that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's an area where it's, it's somewhat lacking. I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think a little bit of, of what you had to say about kind of guys being worn down over the course of a game, because the top forwards have had to play a lot of minutes in a lot of these games. Uh, I think a little of it's been bad luck, but I'm going to throw one set at you. The Capitals are the worst team in the league at faceoffs, and, and and most of the time I think faceoffs are very overrated. But in a situation like overtime, where you need to have possession of the puck, if you're then chasing it because you're losing all these opening draw faceoffs and the few faceoffs in overtime, and, and and then all of a sudden you have to kind of play D. I think there's an extra fatigue factor there because they just can't win a faceoff at this point. Absolutely, I've been. It's one of the stats I look at every single time uh, when I check the check the sheet after the game is to see where the caps are at on their face-offs. I've noticed that for the most part, they're almost, well, they're almost always under 50%. So I guess that leads into being uh, one of the, one of the worst teams uh, in the circle. And um, that was, so when you said I, I probably didn't play much overtime, that was the, the only time that I would play was, was off the opening face-off in overtime. And if we went, if we had to play on D, I would go in there and play D and, and yeah, that, in overtime, it's all about possession. You do not want to give it away unless you have a clear scoring chance. You know that's that's like one of the one of the rules right there. And so they'll hold on to a puck for a minute and a half, two minutes if they can, and get a ch- the other team will get a change in and try and get tired guys on the ice uh, by running them around. And then yeah, if you don't if you don't have that possession, it's almost impossible to uh, to get it back at least without giving up a a pretty high quality scoring chance and. And, and coaches always, always harp on it. Like you can, you can plan, you plan, plan until you're blue in the face. But if you don't get the puck to have a chance to go and execute that plan, like what's the point of planning, you know? And, it, and they have guys that can be good in the faceoff dot, but you know, Nick hasn't, hasn't been out there much. And, and you know, Lars can be good too. And it's just, you know, maybe that'll change, but yeah, you, you need, you need 
puck possession. And it's not just the centermen. It, so right. much of that relies on the wingers too. And, it, and, and when the centermen are having a tough go, like you rely heavily on your wingers to try and find a way, just tie it up, tie it up every single time and let somebody else come in there and, and battle for you. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a bad, bad feeling when you're not, when you're not winning any draws, you're chasing the puck all night. But look, worst worst in faceoffs in the league, but tie for the most points in the league with the New York Rangers. Um, next segment, we're going to talk with Greg Wyshynski, some capital stuff, go around the league, talk some Olympics. Uh, maybe those red-hot Rangers and, and the ice cold about to fire their coach, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we'll be back on All's Caps. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wyna with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner, and we are joined by ESPN's uh, Greg Wyshynski, podcast expert. Uh, Happy New Year, Greg. Happy New Year to you guys. I uh, I am I am an expert of many things, although hockey podcasts not necessarily one of them these days. But that's fine. <laughs> I'm here on this one. I, I didn't mean to rub salt in the wound, uh, but we were. I, I was in New York City the same time you were. Uh, you were able to enjoy some family time over New Year's. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. The, the me and the kiddo and and the wife. I took the kid to go see uh, the new Spider-Man movie, and now she uh, is all in on Tom Holland. She asked me if the Holland Tunnel was named after Tom Holland. Uh, <laughs> I, I said it predated him by a few years, and uh, so she's she's all she's all in on on the Spider-Man thing, which I appreciate. What uh, what would you guys get at the movie? What's your movie snack? Oh God! So I'm a popcorn guy. Um, I love popcorn. Uh, I love butter on the popcorn from the butter machine. And I love putting so much salt on top of that butter to the point where my heart starts to hurt. Um, but the problem, the problem is one, obviously that's no way to live life. And two, um, it is literally impossible to use the butter machine at the movie theater and not come home with stains on your pants that you need to do a 17 step program with oxyclean vinegar and and all this other all this other stuff to get the stains out of your pants like that butter oil is like the, it defeats any cleaning product you possibly have to de-stain your clothes so there's a downside but in the moment though call it carl man that there's no beaten over salted buttery popcorn that's you know i i can agree with that i've ever done where you take like a bag of M&M's or M&M peanuts, ripped it open and dumped it into the popcorn. So you get a surprise every now and then. Absolutely. Um, uh, it's kind of like the same vibe as dunking your fries and ice cream, but it also is the same vibe as like getting a really good bag of trail mix where you've got your, your salty and then your sweet. 
Um, and so uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'd like to keep my popcorn pristine and not uh, sully it with any chocolate products. But if someone had a bag of popcorn with chocolate products thrown into it, I'm not going to, you know, look a gift horse in the mouth. Of course, I'm going to stick my hands in there. You people are nuts. Car Carl, are, you, are your kids, are they into the Spider-Man? Have you taken them to the movies lately? We took, the last movie we took them to was the Paw Patrol movie, but uh, I'm not sure. We like, they're kind of, they're, our, our oldest son is kind of into Spider-Man. Actually, I guess the little guy is too, but I don't think he's ready for, he's not really at that movie age yet, you know, like where I can. I can take him to the theater and feel uh, comfortable that he's not going to ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> like a movie, a movie where people want to actually listen and hear what's going on. Like a, like a kid's movie, you kind of expect it, but, but something where you need to pay attention. I, I don't think I'd risk bringing him to it just yet. We, we just watch Matt. We just watch Matt home. Actually, we got some Nintendo switches for, uh, for uh, Christmas and they started playing those actually. And, and I, I was watching them play, I think it's still called Mario Kart, and they're they're getting pretty good. One of them finished um, first in the race, the other one finished second. I'm like, okay, I finally have some competition to play. So I think they're getting more into into like the racing video games than they are to uh, to watching movies. That's fantastic. That means they'll have they'll be really good at it by the time that they uh, are in an off day during the Stanley Cup final and uh, have to just stay in the hotel the entire day playing their teammates in Mario Kart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, those are those are the good days right there. The, that'll be the, that'll switch, be the next pandemic. The switch is the switch is fantastic. I I have one too. Uh, I find I'm, I'm I've grew up a Nintendo boy, so I've always been more apt to to play Nintendo consoles. But the switch is cool because there's so many different levels of gameplay. Like you can have like a five year old or a four year old uh, and know that you've got games for them, and uh, and then do you know the other more complicated Zelda kind of stuff. So I I appreciate the switch. They don't have hockey games for the Switch, though, right? There was I'm one that people. There was one that people. It was like almost like a like an outdoor backyard rink game that people were, were excited about. But um, but no, I mean that's the difference between your Playstations and your Nintendos, right? Is like you're. I mean, you're always going to have the better hockey games from the EA series and stuff. Yeah, uh, and and uh, so uh, when we get to hockey, I've got I've got one Capitals question for you, Greg and Carl, and I were just talking about this. This team stinks at, at three on three overtime, and 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 there's a lot of talented players on this team, but they're zero and seven, lost to your New Jersey Devils in overtime the other day. Uh, any theories on 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 why this is happening? Yeah, three on three is completely random. <laughs> it's like, I mean, uh, maybe maybe the problem is that the Capitals try to play. Uh, which is always going to be a death knell for any team in the three-on-three. -three. I wrote about this recently on, on ESPN, the idea that like the teams that are playing anti-hockey in the three-on-three -three are the ones that are uh, in some cases thriving because they're sucking all the fun out of it and trying to you know micromanage what happens in the three-on-three. -three. I mean, the good news is that, and, and this goes to any team that struggles in the three-on-three -three or loses a bunch of shootouts, is that it becomes completely immaterial when the games start mattering. Um, sure. So, of yeah, give me a team that's good at five on five. Give me a team that can, you know, kill a penalty when necessary, and and I'll be I'll be happy. As, especially if it's a team that like the Capitals that aren't uh, necessarily suffering in the standings because they're leaving points on the table. Yeah, and 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 this is another reason I think Carl is. is I, I was just saying to, to somebody else that Ovechkin scoring all his goals on five on five, five on five, and this team being good at five on five leads me to believe that there are good things coming playoff time. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if yeah, for sure. Like like Greg said, there, if you're a if you're a playoff team and you, the points don't really matter as much, then 
then it's it's not really an issue. But those teams that where they do matter and and they and they suck in overtime and they can't squeak out those those few points, they might matter at the end. But yeah, in terms in terms of the Caps, I mean, I don't think it's anything to really worry about right now. But if for some reason it comes down to the wire where they need they need a couple points here and there, then you know I, that that is a nice way to to make them up. Yeah, and well, also, also we should we should be happy that Ovechkin isn't scoring a bunch of goals in the three on three, so we don't have a bunch of people whining about the quality of goals uh, that he's scoring during the Gretzky chase. Don't Wait, can, can, them... I, can I whine about the empty net goals? Am I allowed to do that? No, the empty yeah, you're not allowed to whine about the empty net goals. <laughs> this, has been, this has been litigated for years. The reason why the empty net goals are are fine by me, uh, and he's obviously I think he, has he scored more than anybody else in NHL history. I think uh, empty netters. Um, at least he, if that, if not the most, he was in the conversation for the most. You have to, and correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but like you have to be good enough to be out there. Like you have to, if you're a liability, um, then you're not going to be out in that situation. So the idea that Ovechkin is out there, uh, you know, not only because of his, his scoring prowess and the ability to, to find the net in that situation, but also like he's good enough to be out there in that situation. He's not going to, it's not like you're all of a sudden playing five on three. Because you've got a liability out there. If he's good enough to be out there, he's good enough to score an empty netter, and I think those goals are fine. Well, I, I will say this: it, it's it's been debated over the years uh, on on who goes out there for those, and I think for the most part, you put out your you know your your top defensive players just because you're trying to you're trying to kill it. But there's also you know a, a, another way to look at it is where you put guys out there that that are good offensively and can protect the puck and rag the puck and when given an opportunity to score, can score, because then you can put a nail in the coffin a lot, a lot sooner. But um, it, it is something that's interesting that, that you know, he, he goes out very, very often on uh, with an empty net situation, but but doesn't usually go out for the penalty kill. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where you, you can kind of look at it either way. Um, you know, I, now, especially I'm on the side of him you know, getting him out there as much as possible to give him an opportunity to score. And I think, I think as long as they are, um, you know, scoring more or winning more of those games than, than losing when, when those guys that are considered your offensive guys out there in a, a six on five situation, then yeah, keep, keep, keep it going. But uh, I, yes, you are correct. Typically you have to be, you have to be to a certain level to be out there uh, in, in the final minutes. And to be fair, Greg, I'm not I'm not actually whining about the the goals. I just like arguing with you about something. So if it was just mm-hmm. if I can argue about this, then that's fine. Well, the great thing about the the, the uh, you know empty net situation, also, like what was your points per sixty as a defensive defenseman during the empty net situation? Uh, like, like how many points did you pick up just dumping the puck out and having Obi find it uh, <laughs> to to find the yeah. empty netter? <laughs> no, it's it's true. I'm I'm I'd have to go and look at that stat, but I definitely got I definitely got uh, a few points in that situation because it was <laughs> all I had to do was just get the puck out cro- across the blue line and and someone could skate into it or a couple empty net goals myself. So yeah, it, it's a good point for sure. I I I like having those guys out there for that reason, as long as they're willing to also block the shot and you know get in the lane, do do what's necessary, then. Then by all means, you know, stick whoever you want out there as, as long as you're willing to do the job. Um, Greg, I, I know things are changing on, on a weekly, daily, hourly basis, but are we both going to Beijing for the non-NHL Olympics? That is correct. Uh, they ESPN told me recently that I'm still going. Uh, Emily, I think, is hanging back to do uh, TV coverage. Uh, but I'm going to be there not only covering the hockey, but kind of doing what I think what you're doing, which is kind of covering 
uh, all facets of the uh, winter games. I am going to be arriving after the all-star game. Uh, so I'll be missing you the lucky bastard. I know. Right. Uh, but I, yeah, I know I get to go to Vegas and then go to Beijing afterwards. Uh, but then, uh, but then when I'm there, I'll be kind of covering everything and doing some TV hits and uh, just being uh man about Beijing. Well, not really man about Beijing. You we won't can't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. We're, we're I will stuck see- in a, yeah. constant loop uh it's like it's like being in the matrix and just seeing that cat all the time like you're just in a, a time loop uh in beijing you can't go anywhere uh, but it'll be fun I, I, you and i are both olympics uh nerds so i know that's a good time for both of us yeah i don't know if we're gonna have the the, the burrito out of the truck outside like we did in sochi uh eight years ago but i'll see you at the rink and i'll see you at the bar i'm sure yeah and and it should be fun right i mean I, I, the men's the men's tournament <laughs> the men's tournament, who the hell knows? Like, it wasn't exactly the greatest hockey in, in Pyeongchang, but the women's, I mean, like, we're going to get two USA-Canada games with the women. So it's just, that's all you care about. It's like one of the single greatest things in hockey, period, right now is the USA-Canada rivalry on the women's side. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure I'm going to be doing a bunch of, of, of women's hockey over there, too. Um, our, our, our buddy, Eric Fair, who was, was on a guest on, on this podcast before, is going to be part of, of Team Canada. Uh, there's going to be some, some guys that people have heard of. Philippe Mallet, former, former Capitals, great Philippe Mallet, uh, possibly on, on Team Canada, too. I guess Eric Stahl, Devin Dubnik, a handful of people we talked to, we, we know, David Quinn coaching the U.S. team. And I was there for, for Pyeongchang in, in 2018, too. It's not a best-on-best best tournament, but as I was, keep talking to people about, it's still a damn Olympic gold medal. It is, but, I, I mean, part of the reason I'm going to Beijing, I'm actually fourth-line right wing for Team USA. Oh, okay, uh, so you're, so you're they, the guy, okay. Yeah, they had to go down the list a little bit, uh, so I don't want to get your hopes dashed, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm playing, so, you know. <laughs> hey, at least you get that opportunity. I would take there you anything go. to go. I, I'd... Uh... I'd be a ninth defenseman just to go there and, and soak it all in. I, I want to watch the other sports, though. That's like, of course, hockey is, is a focus, but I'd love to just go and see some of the other things going on there. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's one of the fun things, too, that I'm not sure how much the, the, the players who are going this time are going to be able to do because everyone's going to be kind of limited in their movements and no one's everyone's trying to, to not test positive. And I think, Carl, you would be there if anyone else on earth were coaching Team Canada. <laughs> I would send I would send a resume in if anyone else was coaching it. Absolutely, I'd try. <laughs> the, 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 other, the other thing too is that um you know they they're not gonna get the typical Olympic experience of being able to go around Beijing yeah. and see, you know, the sites and the temples and all thing, but they will get a chance to be in the village and, and in talking to athletes through the years, like that experience is pretty cool to to bump into people from other sports. From your country that you might have known through training to bump into uh you know famous olympians that are just there in the village going to the you know cafeteria or whatever there's still going to be that experience i think for them but everything else is just going to be so off the table and it's going to be so regimented it's going to be literally you know wake up in the village hop on the transportation go to the venue then come back straight away which which sucks but i mean that's just kind of the way of the world these days yeah, and, and Carl and I had talked about the, uh, the the World Cup idea when we were when L.A. Freeman was on last week. I have to; I, it has to come back, right? Like the, the NHL and the PA have to do a World Cup in twenty twenty four. Am I am I wrong? Oh no, it's definitely going to come back because uh, you know the players are going to drive that conversation too. Right. I mean, when you hear people like McDavid speaking up already about it, and and uh, other players kind of speaking up about it, I would love. I said this the other day. I would love to see a Venn diagram of the people who complain about there being bad teams in World Junior that get whacked by Canada 
and the amount of people that want to see like Slovakia in the World Cup. Like it's the it's the same thing for me. The people that are that are so against the team Europe and the and the team North America concept um and want to see like cuz cuz those teams are not going to be populated by NHL players, right? Or if they are, it's going to be a very thin roster. So I I kind of love the, the the format that they had in in 2016 with those two sort of amalgamation teams because and I know the argument is we should have a best on best tournament. Well, it's that, that's fine, but it's still not the Olympics. Um and it'll never be the Olympics. Uh, once that that genie escaped the bottle in, in 1998, it's never getting stuff back in. So you might as well just try to have a fun hockey tournament. And and I think the change I'd make is that Team USA and Team Canada should get their choice of the U23 players, if that's what we're doing again. Um, we're not doing that again. Place. We're not doing that again. Well, stop. I that. think you should. I, I, well, I know, I know they're not. They're going to have a, a fake Olympic tournament. But, like, I would be fine if they did it again as long as those, like, every nation gets their pick of young players. So it's not a situation where you have a Canadian team that can't have Connor McDavid or you have an American sure. team that can't have Austin Matthews. Like, that was dumb. Carl, where are you at on fake teams? <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not any fake teams, actually. I, I don't know. I, I think if they can get it as close to what the Olympics is going to be, then great. I don't think they need to, uh, you know, maybe maybe not a nice way to put it, but water, water down the tournament with too many teams that don't have a, a chance to win. You know, I guess... Is, is the honest truth. And then that way the guys don't have to play so many extra games. Uh, so, yeah, it, it would be nice, but there, there's still so many good players from other countries that could make up – they could make up one one pretty strong team, but I don't think you need to have uh, more, more than one team that's made up of multiple countries or could young we, players or anything like that. Could we get – could we put Czechoslovakia back together just for one tournament? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think that the happy medium would be – to invite the Swiss, who you know I have a good number of, of players, right? And I think they're they could be a pretty decent team, and then have like a team Europe because here's the here's the problem with this new World Cup. It's the same problem that we had in the old World Cup, which is if you remember, uh, Slovenia was in the Sochi games. Yep. Everybody was on the Kopitar tip. They made Team Europe ostensibly so Kopitar would have a place to play. Now we have an even bigger problem, which is that one of the top three players in the world is from Germany. That's the problem right now with this World Cup. One of the top three players. Okay, in so the Philip Grubauer is the goalie Germany. for Germany. Okay, so I have Germany in the tournament. I, 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 you're going to put Germany in the tournament? Of course. Again, same problem you had before. So you're saying Switzerland and Germany. Okay, so what happens to the Slovakian players? Uh, they're playing again. I'm putting. I'm putting them with the Czechs. I'm putting. I'm putting Czechoslovakia together for one tournament. Okay. Well, my point is this, and I think Carl's kind of hitting the point, which is that you find another European team, and then you do an amalgamation team, so you can get Drysaddle in the tournament. Like, oh, but, but, but to one have... team, but one team instead of the under twenty three. Like I, I, I was more okay with the team Europe of guys who didn't have anywhere else to play than the team North America. Okay, that's fine. But you might have to do it again, which again will defy the rules of what people want from a quote-unquote best-on-best tournament because it won't look like the Olympics. It, but there's absolutely no reason why the NHL should create a tournament that leaves one of their top three stars on the outside looking in. They can't do it. It's stupid. You know what that's called, though, Greg? It's called the NHL playoffs when the Oilers miss. <laughs> you're right. Well, 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 then, you're gonna, a, then you're going to have two of the top five players in but, the world not in the playoffs. 
But why no? Counterpoint to that, the last time we had a fake tournament was the COVID bubble playoffs, and they found a way to get 24 teams in there just to get marquee players and just to get marquee teams into the tournament. So it can be done. Look, you can do whatever you want. Like, we're literally making up the rules as we go along here. Like, every, like we can, the NHL can do whatever it really wants, and we're all going to have fun, and we're going to argue, and that's the fun of sports. At the end of the day, right? Yeah, I'd say that's true. I, I, I think... I like the idea of maybe just doing one one throw together European team of all the of all the extra countries that are around. They'll, they'll field a, a pretty decent team, I think, and then that way everybody's happy. But as long as long as we get as long as we get the big the big uh, I guess four or five countries in there, then I, I think overall people will be happy about it. So just find a way. Good. Now, here's the here's the real question, though, guys. The real question is when you when do you hold this tournament? Because I think one of the problems with the 2016 version was holding it in September uh, where none of the guys were in shape yet and the hockey was kind of bad. Uh, do you shut down the season in February for the World Cup? I would. Yeah, that'd be my choice. You could even do it. I mean, they have the World Juniors, so you don't really want to get in the way of, of that split any sort of viewership. But I, I would say you, you need the guys to get into game shape because uh, it just takes so And this is kind of my theory on on – uh, kind of McDavid Dreisaitl somewhat of a slowdown right now is that beginning of the season it takes a lot of guys to get up to speed and to catch up with some of these younger guys especially that that are absolutely flying coming out of summer and then once the season gets going everybody starts to even out a little bit so I think you've got to give it a, at minimum a month before before you can start a tournament like that because you you want everybody to be firing you don't want just you know the 23 and under team that that's going to be going, and, and a lot of the older guys are still still trying to warm up the engine. I got an idea for you. What about doing it between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas of 20, 2023? So you, you basically say, we're going to have a Thanksgiving break, we're going to have everybody go away, and then mo- that Monday, camps can open, and you basically do the tournament where the finals on the 22nd or the 23rd, everybody gets off the next few days after, and we all come back for, for right after Christmas. I like that idea a lot because you're you're holding the tournament at a time when nobody cares about the regular season. Right. Like nobody cares. Right. TV doesn't care. Media doesn't care. Players don't really care. The NFL uh, is the only issue. The, the Battling against the NFL during that time is the issue. But if you can avoid those those big Sundays and still play a, a legitimate tournament, then you capture people's attention and you say, we're going to come back for 2024 and the playoff race is starting. It's not the worst yeah. idea in the world, but you're right. It is kind of crowded, though, in December, because now you're you're dealing not only with the NFL, but you're dealing with bowl games, too. Yeah, but no one, as we realized this year, no one cares about bowl games. You can cancel yeah. them, and no one cares. I mean, as a Maryland grad, I cared. Well, congratulations on the— as, 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 a, bowl, as, a, as a fellow Maryland grad, uh, I'm very happy about, about the, the victory in the pinstripe bowl, I think it was, at Yankee Stadium against Virginia Tech. Um uh, uh, Greg Wyshynski is joining Carl Alston and I here on All's Caps. Uh, when we come back, Carl's going to quiz Greg with Carl's stupid questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to All's Caps. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino, joined by former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner and ESPN hockey expert 
Greg Wyshynski. Uh, we've we've argued plenty, and, and now it's time for Carl to take the floor with Greg and Carl's stupid questions. Yes. Yeah, so we've. I'm gonna I'm gonna mix up a couple here. Maybe add a few. It's it's supposed to only be six questions, but there may be a couple little add-ons just because I got really excited on on a few of them. So okay, I'm gonna hit you. Uh, well, first of all, just so you know the rules. Uh, you know, you answer my questions truthfully, honestly. I'm judging you on your end. I'm going to give you a score at the end that that matters a lot to me, but doesn't matter really to anybody else. So um, just have fun with it, and good luck to you because we have some some stiff competition. First question. Yes. First question here is: Would you rather Chicago style pizza or New York style pizza? Which I think I know the answer, but <clears throat> got to do it. Well. I mean, New York style pizza ultimately wins because I think the best slice of New York pizza is better than the best slice of Chicago style pizza. But, um, you know, to sit around a table with your friends and, you know, they bring over the big silver uh, dish with the big clamps. Like I, they get to use the jaws of life to bring it over to you. Like there's something really nice about that, too. But but ultimately, the best slice of New York pizza, which, by the way, is, is Joe's pizza uh, in the village, uh, pepperoni, uh, cash only. Um, is uh, better is better than um, uh, any uh, Chicago style pizza. And and, and I'll, I'll let me add here: Chicago pizza is fantastic. It's just not pizza. It's more of a, of a, a pie or a casserole than it is actual pizza. I'm gonna add a different definition, just like you do with hot dogs, Carl. Interesting. Okay, we may have a new conversation right here. <laughs> well, well, and side note: Okay, is, would you consider flatbread to be a pizza, or is flatbread in its own category? Yeah, no, flatbread's. A- Flatbread's a pizza. It's just dough covered with cheese and toppings. I mean, that definitely qualifies as a pizza. I mean, it's a, like a crustless pizza. We just had the uh, the uh, flatbread from uh, our good friends at Trader Joe's, uh, which is a, uh, uh, it's got like um, uh, mushrooms. It has like truffles or some such on it. It's really tasty and it's good for like, if you don't want to cook, but it's definitely still a pizza. I mean, you put it in the oven, crust cooks up, cheese melts, pizza. Yeah, that counts. Agreed. Uh, okay, next question here. If you're going to be pulling an all-nighter, what what's going to help you get through that? Is it uh, is it loud music? Is it caffeine? What what's your what's your what's going to be your uh, secret weapon? <clears throat> I drink so much coffee during the day that it is merely there to keep me at a level of energy. Uh, it is no longer something that would turbo boost me. For that, I would need like a double espresso, but. I do have a very specific answer to your question, which is a 12 ounce, uh, not sugar free, but less sugar, uh, Red Bull. You know, the one, the blue, the light blue can versus the dark blue, but not the black one that's like no sugar, like the one in between. Uh, you're, you're basically like your diet Coke between Coke Zero and regular Coke. That Red Bull, 12 ounces, and I, dr- I drink it before uh, live shows that we do. I drink it before going on television. It's like my 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 turbo boost of choice, and it, it gets me to where I need to go. That is exactly what I would say too. That's, that's a perfect that's a perfect answer. That's what I would have whenever I had a game where I just felt like I just didn't quite have enough. I'd always go for one of those Red Bulls. The, I know exactly the label, so. Hell of an answer. Let me just say that right there. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one here. Uh, what's your favorite childhood TV show? Favorite childhood TV show? Uh, well, I mean, there's different phases of childhood, right? So I would say as a younger kid, 
like coming home, uh, watching cartoons kind of deal. I was I was in that sort of like he Masters of the Universe GI Joe kind of cartoon thing. Um, but I'll go a little bit further than that and say if we're talking like animated uh, shows on a, on like a TV in the afternoon, probably Batman the Animated Series would be that. But my favorite show as a kid remained my favorite show as an adult, which was Mystery Science Theater three thousand, where. Uh, the dude and the two uh, robot puppets were forced to watch bad movies and make jokes about them. So either of those answers would be applicable. I was going to ask you a follow-up, and if there was a uh, some sort of jingle, like, like opening jingle to any of those, but I, I don't know any of them. So if there is, and you can sing it, you would get bonus points. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the Batman one's easy because it was just the Danny Elfman music from the 1989 Batman film that... And then Mystery of Science Theater had a song with uh, lyrics, but uh, I'm not going to sing that because it'd be lost on you. You didn't watch the show. Hey, but we may have a couple of viewers that know it. In the not too distant future, next Sunday AD, there was a guy named Joel, not too different from you or me. And then it goes on from there to talk about how he's stuck on a spaceship watching bad movies with his robot friends. It's also my avatar on, on Twitter. Uh, which has led to years of hilarity where people think that I'm a tall, balding, blonde guy with two puppets. Uh, and then they're, and then, they, and then, and then it's jar it's jarring when they meet me in real life, or it's funny when they're like, I say something about like, Hey, the, you know, Seattle Kraken's cup chances are getting thin. And they're like, yeah, like your hairline. I'm like, that's not me, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Oh man. Okay, let's move on. Um, do you have a a word that you misspell, or is there a word that you really dislike? <laughs> I misspell. I misspell every word. I'm, yes, I'm a, I, yeah, I'm a complete slave to spell check. Like I, you know, I, yeah. I feel like there are certain things technology wise that we should just embrace and 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 know that there's absolutely no reason to have to spell like reminiscence correctly. You just throw all the letters, you get as close as you can, and you let the computer fix it for you. Um, yeah. That's all. Yeah. Is there a word that I don't like? Um, no, I don't think there's words I don't like. I think there's like phrases I don't like. And, and they're phrases that, that that come in and out of, of the zeitgeist. One, why no? One that I'm dealing with right now and that I'm unfortunately crept into my vernacular is when something is of a piece to something like, um, you know, like when you're like, you know, uh, you know, the social network is of a piece of Sorkin's other work. I've never, I've never used that in my life. So I'm, but I'm, you've heard it, right? Like it's part not of, until I don't just know where now. it no. came from. I don't know where it came from. Um, uh, Carl, you may not know this. My, my least favorite hockey uh, word is uh Selly. It's like baby talk. And I never liked the word. Uh, I, I, I like celebration, uh, six Selly. Stupid baby talk, uh, uh, letter Kenny words. <laughs> that was actually my next question was what hockey phrase or word you didn't <laughs> like. So you already got, you already got on top of that. Why not? Do you have a word that you, uh, really dislike? I don't know if I, there's a word I really dislike. There's just a lot of phrases that hockey players say that are just a waste of time. And I, it's just verbal diarrhea. And I think the word that is used too often is obviously. 
And even if I say it myself, I hate myself for how many times I would say obviously. And as I'm transcribing, which I can do faster than anyone else on earth, uh, other than maybe Mike McIntyre in Winnipeg, everyone says obviously. And I'm like, stop saying obviously. You don't, it's a word that you almost never need. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very true. And everybody, it's like anytime you listen to yourself, whether it's talking on the podcast or if you, if I've done an interview, I've. I always go back and I'm like, why did you say that word? You just said it 10 seconds before and you just said it a minute before that. You sound so stupid, but you were never a problem though. You, 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 you were never the problem of, of verbal diarrhea. You were always like, man, I don't want to pump your tires too much. You were always a thoughtful interview who you would say what you're actually thinking almost to your own detriment, which is a good thing for us. Yeah. You were, you, you were incredible. Uh, Like you're in the, you're in the pantheon of best caps interviews uh, you know, Hall of Fame of like the most, uh, you know, interesting and introspective guys that have ever been on that team, for sure. It just so you know, Greg, there is no prize for this, so you don't have to continue to butter me up just to earn more <laughs> points. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the truth, though. Like, who else was on that list, Wino? Like, uh, Brooks Like at one point? Maybe Matt, Matt Hendricks. List? Matt Hendricks, for sure. Matt Our- Hendricks, for sure. Um Mike Green, depending on the day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, and, and Evgeny Kuznetsov, depending on the day, will give you great stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Very true. Um, okay, last one here since you already got that last one. Um, is there anything that you're randomly an overachiever at or something that you, you I don't know, you, you feel like you've got like a weird amount of skill that's somewhat random? Yeah, uh, making English muffin breakfast sandwiches. Um, I, I'm married to a really good cook. Uh, Ruby can whip up a, a dinner, and and she's like one of these people that can do it without a recipe and just like taste shit, and you know, like she can kind of just like whip it together and stuff. And I, I don't have that skill. I can follow a recipe and do okay. But that said, um, I have the ability to perfectly fold an egg uh, into the shape it needs to be in order to, to fit on an English muffin uh, without much of it hanging off the sides <laughs> and, uh, and and still make it really fluffy and good. I'm really good at it. And I'm really good at, at knowing how long the cheese has to be on top of it to get that melty sausage McMuffin with egg uh, meltiness. Um, I'm good at knowing exactly how much bacon needs to be on the English muffin uh, in order to not overload it. And I'm really good at condiments too. Uh, I'm a ketchup guy. Not everybody is, but you know, if you've got some uh, Tula hot sauce or like uh, some Chipotle mayo, uh, I can whip you up a good uh, alternative to ketchup breakfast sandwich. So that's that's like my probably hidden skill, uh, very hidden because I mean, who else am I cooking for if not my wife or my kid? Uh, I'm coming over me. now. Next time I visit New York, you're making me. A, yeah. you're making me one of these. But I'm really good at it. Uh, it's it's definitely like the thing that I would say is like a, a hidden talent. That's unbelievable. I mean, it's funny when you talk about following a recipe. I feel like I can follow a recipe, but the other day I threw vanilla milk in our kids' mac and cheese <laughs> and turned it into turned it into vanilla mac and cheese. Not not the worst thing I've ever tasted, but it's simple. You can't screw up mac and cheese, but I found a way. So I, guess I like I'm not cooking. As good at a recipe. I like cooking and I like following a recipe. Um, and and it's something that kind of like eight out of nine times it'll relax me. And then that ninth time when <laughs> something's got awry, I've, I've overcooked something and I have, I have a complete immature freak out about ru- ruining life for the people that I love, uh, you know, and, and squandering ingredients, I think, which is also like 
taking me back to my my middle class upbringing in, in New Jersey, where you know resources are scarce, <laughs> so you don't you don't want to overcook something that costs a lot of money, like a like a yeah. like 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 fish or scallops or something. So uh, that ninth time out of out of uh, out of you know the the times of making a recipe is is a, a stressful uh, situation. Well, I would go ahead and say that was pretty solid answering. Uh, just quick tally here in my head since I'm driving. Uh, yeah, I think you, with all the bonus points that you were able to accumulate there, you're at 274 points, which absolutely smashes everybody else that we've had so far. So wow, wow, very very impressive. That's that's unbelievable. That's so cool. I appreciate that. Thank you for the uh, insightful questions. I know that when it comes playoff time, bonus points don't matter. Uh, so I know I'm going to have to be solid at five on five, but I think I've had a really strong showing here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good play. Good play. You just set the bar for everybody. If anyone who wants to ever do good at this game, I'm going to refer them to this episode so they can, so they can try. <laughs> the first place, Greg Wyshynski, the, the tied for first place, Washington Capitals. Greg, thank you very much for joining us on All's Caps. Anytime. Thanks for, for having me and uh, continued success and, and, don't give, up, don't give up on that Olympic dream, Carl. Uh, there's still time. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks. Everybody, thanks, everybody, everybody for joining us. And, and Carl and I will talk to you next week on All's Caps.